Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Housing Wire, and I'm bringing you our series on six questions for HUD executives. Uh, we are going into a very important guest, a personal friend of mine and someone who I admire greatly. I'm speaking, of course, of Pam Patno. How are you today, Pam? Hi, Jacob. Good. Thank you for this opportunity to join you. Thanks so much. Uh, Let me go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Um, Before you were at HUD, you served at two very important parts, uh, one of which uh, merited uh, your Women of Influence Award from Housing Wire. So we've been speaking for quite some time. And what we're going to do as part of the conversation today is get to know you a little bit more in terms of your role at HUD. But let's start at the beginning. Let's start about uh, where you were working at before you came to the department. Uh, Well, great. Thanks, uh, Jacob. Um, You know, we have known each other for several years now, but this is actually my fourth tour of duty at HUD, um, and my career actually started here at HUD back in 1982 as an intern. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. I went back to to graduate from college, and originally, you know, my, my path was criminal justice, and after being presented with an opportunity to work in the Inspector General's office at HUD, I realized that I really liked the programs at HUD and the mission of HUD and that it was not law enforcement that was, you know, my interest. It was the programs at HUD. So I shifted gears after graduation and went to work at New Hampshire Housing Finance Authority where I actually administered a HUD program. I was boots on the ground. And then uh, about a year after that, I returned to HUD back in 1984. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then fast forward, you know, I was a, briefly um, a stay-at-home mom and decided to uh, pursue a master's degree in community economic development. And then I returned to the field, spent a few years working on Capitol Hill, both in my home state of New Hampshire, but spent a lot of time in DC. And in 2001, I had the opportunity to come back to HUD, where I ran the field operations under then Secretary Martinez. Mm And about halfway through the Bush 43 administration, I was offered the opportunity to serve as Assistant Secretary for Community Planning and Development. And then after uh, I left HUD, I joined the Urban Land Institute as the Executive Vice President and the Founding Director of the Terwilliger Center for Workforce Housing, where I was strictly focused on public policy. And that was at a time when the housing market began to fall apart during the financial crisis. So we were very much focused on workforce housing, um, and then we realized that, that we needed to kind of broaden that agenda based on the reality of what was happening. So I spent four wonderful years at ULI focused on affordable and workforce housing, and then I was asked to lead the Bipartisan Policy Center Housing Commission, where I worked with some wonderful housing leaders, and we were laser focused on housing finance reform mm-hmm. uh, in the first several months because of what was happening, you know, in the in the real world. And we put together what became the blueprint for um, a piece of legislation that, that advanced, you know, through committee, but never became law, but certainly became a, a good foundational piece. And then after that, I was invited to start a foundation with Ron Twilliger, where we focused on, again, affordable and workforce housing and trying to advance some public policies to change the direction of affordable housing policies in America. And during that time, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with all 21 candidates who ran for president at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got the call to bring you to your current role. And, current, and then yeah. I did. I received a call uh, shortly after the inauguration to interview to be the Deputy Secretary of HUD. And at that point, Secretary Carson had been uh, nominated and, mm-hmm. or, or named and then nominated uh, by, by President Trump. And I had met Secretary Carson on the campaign trail and had followed his, his career. And I was really excited about this opportunity to join him. Was that one of the deciding factors to return to HUD was to work with the secretary? It really was. I mean, I had uh, read several of his books. I had seen his movie. And as I mentioned, you know, I met him on the campaign trail when he was in New Hampshire. And, and I thought it would be a, a wonderful opportunity to come to work for a leader that's expertise was in, a, in a, a different area, but certainly an area that, you know, health policy and housing policy are interconnected. And it just working under a leader, you know, like Secretary Carson was what motivated me to to accept the position here at HUD. Mm-hmm. And I know the feeling's mutual. He often jokes that he has had to apologize to Mr. Terwilliker for alerting you away from uh, from your service there. But uh, he said that he wasn't ever going to give you back. He joked once. Um, so I know that the feeling is definitely mutual. But, uh, you know, when you mentioned that you interned at HUD and you also mentioned this criminal justice backgrounds. And I, th- I see a lot of echoes of that in your work, especially from your time at the Bipartisan Policy Center and what you were focused on a lot. It, it, I, it always felt to me that when I when I speak to you and I look at your work, that the sense of this, this righteous uh, justice comes through in a lot of it. And I wonder how that helps keep you grounded in your work of housing. You know, does that criminal justice background ever come in handy for you? Do you find that it motivates you to, uh, to, to help America's most vulnerable families in some cases? You you know, certainly some of the people that we serve, we do serve the most vulnerable populations have had um, at times been involved in the criminal justice system. But I, I, you know, I realized during my time in the 10 years that I was away from HUD, you know, really, really focused on studying public policy and that, that these areas are interconnected. You know, our housing policy is health policy, education policy is housing policy. They're all interconnected. I think with the uh, recent focus, the president has been very focused on, on trying to find solutions to battle the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. That certainly has been reminiscent of my time you know, spent studying criminal justice, but it's been a long, long time. I graduated from college over 35 years ago. Um, and my, you know, when I went back to school, it was to focus on community economic development. So I, you know, I, I like to think about our work in a more positive light, but there are people that, that have uh, you know, absolutely struggle. Um, we both are fans of the book Evicted, and we see what evictions do to people, and that oftentimes can land people, uh, you know, in, uh, yeah. in a tough circumstance, and then their their chances of being involved in the criminal justice system are, are often heightened through an eviction. And there are other, you know, larger issues that are also being being dealt with with HUD in terms of the uh, housing economy. Um, I know that the uh, you, you mentioned the opioid addict uh, epidemic and the criminal justice system, but honestly, for most most of the people that you do deal with are hardworking Americans who are just trying to raise family and build their communities, and they're struck by, you know, not just social conditions, but economic conditions as well. And that was a, a theme that was pretty persistent in the, in the pro-cyclical nature uh, mentioned often in Evicted. 
And one of the things that we're dealing with is not just accessibility to housing, which was one of those issues, but also affordability. Um, the cost of living is going up. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 jobs, the jobs numbers are really great right now, but wage growth is uh, struggling to keep up with the cost of living. Um, are these things that in your role as deputy secretary that you're encountering? Like how, how much of the actual, because I know I see you traveling, Pam, you know, you go to, you go to these hurricane hard hit areas. You're, you're definitely a boots on the ground kind of person, but how much of these kind of these larger issues are you, are you faced with every day in your role at HUD? So I, I do split my time between disaster recovery, and I'd love to talk more about that in a few minutes. But, you know, the secretary has asked me to, to take an active role in, in policymaking here. We have some you know, tremendous experts on board, and, you know, the affordability issue is, is certainly been heightened um, by the lack of production during the housing downturn. And I know that's in the rearview mirror, but the, the legacy of the, of the financial crisis and the housing downturn is very evident today. You know, the lack of production, we're, we're very far behind on how many units that we need, you know, to, to keep up with household formation. And so I think the rental affordability is, you know, of great concern to the Secretary of HUD and to the leadership team here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to focus on solutions, but I think we agree that it's not just the federal government's role to address the affordability crisis and lack of, of rental production, but that we need to work with states, work with the governors and municipalities, mayors to identify barriers. What, what is keeping this production number? Mm -hmm. and we have seen you know, a, a large number of high-end rental units come online in the last few years. But we are still, you know, struggling to keep up with, you know, workforce and, and certainly the affordable. And that's the population we're fo focused on every day here at HUD. And is that um, the issue, the area of housing that you feel that the public could use some more education? Or do you think in the disaster recovery, uh, having had my family personally go through um, and see the, the, the devastating effects of Hurricane Katrina, uh, T tell me a little bit more about your role in disaster recovery and how how does it feel? It must be so difficult to go out and meet these Americans who've just lost everything. I was um, fortunately, I was serving in a position that uh, was very involved in disaster recovery. I was the Assistant Secretary for Community Planning and Development, Katrina and Rita and Wilma uh, struck. And at the time that was, you know, the most devastating disasters that HUD had ever um, been faced with, and certainly the amount of housing stock that was damaged during that time was, um, you know, was catastrophic. So working um, in that capacity in a policymaking position under, you know, during the time that I was here uh, post-Katrina helped prepare me for the hurricanes that I faced immediately uh, upon my arrival last September. Both Irma and uh, Hurricane Harvey had hit and two days after my swearing in we were faced with Hurricane Maria. Mm -hmm. the, the devastation that I witnessed, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's hard to even comprehend what, what people have to go through. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in North Carolina, two and a half weeks before Florence hit, I was in North Carolina surveying damage that had occurred under Hurricane Matthew in the fall of 2016. They're still struggling, you know, to build back, and now they've been hit again. Exact same areas in North Carolina, so it it you know families often have to start over. So it's 
and we talk about our vulnerable populations, people that have been hit by a natural disaster are, are, are often starting all over again. And HUD plays an enormous role in disaster recovery. We are focused on long-term, but we play a huge support role behind FEMA in the immediate aftermath of a disaster. And I, I'm not sure the public understands the federal government's role in, in disaster recovery and perhaps shining a spotlight on on how this happens will also help prepare people. You know, this administration is very focused on preparedness. Thankfully, that was the theme going into this hurricane season, and I think that helps save lives, but also helps um, the folks that are involved in the rebuilding process to build back better and stronger. This, the government has, the um, Congress appropriated a lot of money for resiliency and mitigation so that when we are building back both infrastructure and you know bricks and mortar houses, that they are done in a way that are going to be able to sustain hurricanes and natural disasters in the future. So we've come a long way since Katrina. We've learned a lot uh, from the mistakes that were made, and, and not necessarily the mistakes of the federal government, but you know we work together with you know local and and state governments, and more importantly, we work with the citizens because mm -hmm. it's the private sector who actually do, you know does the rebuilding and how how are you received when you when you go out there you mentioned the the public not fully understanding the role of federal government in uh in recovery but how how is it when you when you go out there what is it about the people you encounter and you tell them you know I'm the deputy secretary for HUD are they like well why are you here or what what is some of the reactions that that you get well, I hope my visits are making a difference. You know, the press coverage, you know, when, when the journalists cover this, it actually helps uh, mm -hmm. the public tremendously because it's hard to deliver messages after a hurricane. People don't have access to the things that we're so used to every day, whether it be cell phone, phone service or turning on a TV. You know, there's a real disconnect after a natural disaster. And it's not days. It can be weeks. It can be months. Um, let's hope it's not years, but we are you know, one year um, post Harvey and uh, Irma and Maria now, and there are still people that, that are not necessarily plugged in every day. So I think, you know, shining a spotlight on, on the recovery efforts, what resources are available, it can never be repeated enough. And I hope I do make a difference when I make these trips. I just completed my seventh trip um, to Puerto Rico, and I have, you know, become very connected the local communities you know I'm in touch with the mayors on an ongoing basis the secretary led a presidential delegation just last Thursday to Puerto Rico and the secretary's arrival that brought a lot of attention and it also brought a lot of hope to people that the that this a robust recovery is is getting underway do, do you normally make seven trips out to a disaster recovery zone so Puerto, we've never faced anything like Puerto Rico before you know the the geographic isolation in Puerto Rico, the, the physical infrastructure was was severely compromised before the storm, um, mm -hmm. before Irma and then Maria hit. So Puerto Rico was in tough shape. We have an enormous footprint in Puerto Rico. HUD has over 50,000 public housing units. 117,000 families rely on FHA for insurance on their mortgages and we have another 30,000 people that are assisted with rental assistance under HUD's housing choice voucher program and about another 25,000 units of, of privately owned uh, rental housing 
that has project-based Section 8. So it's it's an enormous footprint. You know, we're over a quarter of a million people rely on HUD every day in Puerto Rico. So, no, I, I would imagine that I made more than seven trips in the time that I was Assistant Secretary um, after uh, the hurricanes of mm -hmm. 2005, but it was over a longer period of time. And I will continue to stay very involved in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico needs um, the technical assistance. They need the continuity. And you know we have a very large team that works on disaster recovery here at HUD, both at the headquarters level and in the field. And I think we, under the National Disaster Recovery Framework, the federal government is operating really well with our partners. And I think that, you know, it's it's a daunting, it's a daunting task. It's a, it's a tough challenge to face. And, uh, you know, I, for one, am very um, appreciative of the work that, that you and the secretary are doing to uh, to help people in the disaster recovery zones. And uh, and thank you for letting me go past my six questions to, uh, to discuss more. It's just so interesting um, how the federal government has how honestly we have the luxury of a federal government who looks after its citizens when when they're hit in a storm oftentimes in other countries these storms hit and uh, the people get nowhere near the amount of support that this government leverages uh to 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 the embrace of all americans so i'm i'm, I'm very proud of the work that hud has done in all the dis disaster recovery zones and feel a sense of uh pride knowing that you and uh, Secretary Carson and all your staff are going there. So thank you. Uh, the final question I want to have for, for you though, Pam, is I want to I uh, end something on a, on a bit of a positive note. And you mentioned that you started as an intern at HUD and I want to come full circle uh, background. I want you to, I, I, want, I want to imagine yourself as an intern starting your first day at HUD and uh, knowing everything you, you've known today. You know, you, you mentioned your stay-at-home mom. You have three amazing successful daughters that are just equally as impressive as you are. Uh, what advice would you give to, to your younger self on your first day starting out as an intern at HUD? So as a 21-year-old intern, I don't think I understood public policymaking and how important it actually is. You know, you think of, you know, HUD, you know, bricks and mortar and it's this program and, you know, whether it be the Section 8 then it was the Section 8 certificate program. I didn't think about it in a in the larger context of housing policy, and it wasn't really fully um, developed in my thinking until after I left HUD, uh, after being the Assistant Secretary and spending 10 years in the public policy arena. So I would give the advice to, to young folks starting out in any public policy-related field, whether it be at HHS or EPA, but public policy matters and it's not always um, evident that a decision actually is going to impact public policy. Mm -hmm. So to be thinking about it in that context, I think would, would be the advice that I would give to myself if I had a, a do over being an intern again at HUD. Is there, is there anything you would do differently? You would think if you knew then what you know now, would you even, would you even recommend a, a life of serving the public? Uh, to to anyone? Oh, absolutely. My my, I guess second advice would be to stay the course. Uh, you know, I'm really glad I stayed in this field. Uh, it's been you know over 35 years in this field, and it can be a very fulfilling um, career, and you can actually make a difference. Excellent. 
Well, that brings me to the end of uh, and of my questions. I want to uh, thank the Deputy Secretary, Pam Hughes-Patno, for joining me on today's show. My name is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Housing Wire. I want to thank everyone for listening. Pam, as always, a pleasure. I hope to speak, and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for all you do at Housing Wire to help educate the public.